Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are winding down another week right here in Texas agriculture. Topping the news today, we're taking a look at our neighbors to the east and the grain elevator situation there on the Mississippi River. Of course, Hurricane Ida shut down most of our grain export facilities there, and they are working hard and heavy to get them back up and running. We'll take a closer look at that to kick off today's show. And here in Texas, the Texas A&M Veterinary School has enrolled the largest class in the nation. We'll have that story coming up as well. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Wildfires on the West Coast have been a major national news story in recent weeks, and those same fires appear to be having a local impact when it comes to Texas High Plains crops. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Producers are set to begin harvesting Texas wine grapes in their vineyards for an industry that generates $13 billion to the state's economy. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The recent sale of a historic cattle ranch near Fort Worth reminds us that a high-growth state puts farms and ranches and their acres in high demand. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Hurricane Ida shut down practically all of the grain export facilities on the Mississippi River, sending corn and soybean prices plunging last week. Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture Mike Strain says barge traffic and the grain elevators are all slowly getting back to work. We've spoken to a number of the grain companies and they are have located most of their barges. So again, what's going on is a full court press to find the barges get the barges in the channel, you know, get them in front of the tugs, and get them moving to where they need to go. Uh, we also um, believe that by tonight, we will have power down through West Wego and into uh, the grain elevators located in that area. But I will tell you that our electrical suppliers, the Public Service Commission, Entergy, and everyone involved is working very, very, very hard to get uh, grain operations and normalcy up as quickly as possible. Strain says the river is currently open and being dredged, while sunken and grounded vessels are being removed. Uh, the, there are dredges in the river as we speak, hopper dredges, a number of dredges, dredging the river, uh, so getting the silt out. And again, uh, the, the other issue is as we're coming, working our way upriver, uh, to locate the sunken vessels and remove them and then to get the other vessels that are um, grounded on shallow water or up on the levees to get those off the levee and to get everything in motion. So all of that is underway. 
and we hope very soon to have everything back in motion. Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture, Mike Strain. The Texas A&M Veterinary School has enrolled the largest vet class in the nation. Jessica Domel has the story. They say that everything is bigger in Texas, and that certainly holds true when it comes to our veterinary schools. This year, there are 180 first-year students enrolled in the Doctor of Veterinary Medicine program at the Texas A&M University College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences, making it the largest class of veterinary students in the nation. The vet school is also celebrating another accomplishment this year, the inaugural class of its 2 plus 2 program. Students enrolled in the program spend their first two years of veterinary school on the new veterinary medicine, research, and outreach facility on the West Texas A&M University campus in Canyon. After those two years in Canyon, they finish out their program on the A&M campus in College Station. There are 18 students enrolled in the program this year. The rest of the 180 first-year students are attending classes on the Texas A&M University campus in College Station. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol will present six live enrollment webinars focusing on how the program helps U.S. cotton growers meet the changing demands from their end customers, while also better documenting and verifying the sustainability practices and advances incorporated into their farms. The webinars start on September 14th and run through December 14th. If you'd like more information, visit their website, trustuscotton.org. Wildfires on the West Coast are having an effect on crops here on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt tells how from Amarillo. As we've all seen in the news, California and other parts of the West Coast have been devastated by wildfires in recent weeks, and it appears the damaging effects are also being felt in the Texas High Plains. Pioneer hybrid agronomist Russell French says solar radiation measurements show all the smoke that's drifted in has meant less sunshine for area crops. Our solar radiation is much lower than normal because of the haze and the smoke, and then we had some cloudy weather. And so that's going to have an effect on yields at the end because the plant maybe uh, was not able to make enough uh, photosynthesis to fill the grain all the way to the end, so we may see some tipping back on some corn ears things like that. So I feel like we probably lost a little bit off our top end yield potential that we look like we were going to have 30, 45 days ago because of the smoke and the haze and the the less solar radiation. French says also hurting area crops is the fact that with a few exceptions here and there, much of the region has gone dry since the start of August. Some of our dryland crops are hurting pretty good in some areas where they missed the rain. And it's kind of disappointing because it looked so promising early and now it's showing a lot of drought stress on dryland sorghum and cotton both. But where we have limited irrigation looks phenomenal. You know, where we we had some help early and, and we had a little bit of water to kind of get us through August looks really well. Our full irrigated acre is probably, uh, we've lost a little bit off the top end with this heat and dry weather, but for the most part, it's still a very good crop. And on another note, French reminds sorghum farmers to be scouting their fields for the sugarcane aphid. Tomorrow, we'll hear more from Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid as we discuss the start of wheat season. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wine grapes and wineries are big business here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more. 
The Texas wine and wine grape industry contributes more than $13 billion of economic value to the state of Texas. That according to the 2017 Texas Economic Impact Study Packet on the American wine industry. There are more than 500 wineries in the state where more than 1.7 million tourists visit. More than 104,000 people are employed in the industry, including those people in the vineyards around Lubbock on the Texas South Plains. That is where we go for today's report from Eddie Griffiths in West Texas, as producers are getting ready to go full speed on the harvest of their grape crops in the region. Talked to a producer this past week, and he, he had gotten a few grapes out, and uh, he said as far as the yield was concerned, it, it looked good. Maybe the uh, sugar content was off just a little bit, and that probably could be an attribute to uh, excess moisture on those grapes. But as a whole across West Texas, looking at the grape crop, they really needed this crop. They've had some trouble over the past two, three years. So a good yielding crop would definitely help these grape producers out. That is Eddie Griffiths reporting from Lubbock. Many wine trails crisscross the state, from the South Plains to the Red River and Eastern region, and from the Hill Country and North Central region to Dallas-Fort Worth, Austin, and Houston. Each trail offers visitors a different perspective of the Texas wine industry while providing an enjoyable and educational experience. For a listing of Texas wine trails, go to the Texas Wine and Grape Growers Association website at tx.wines.org. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas population is growing, but that is endangering farm and ranch land. Gary Joyner takes a closer look. The cost of a growing state like Texas can be sobering. The price paid is often the development of working farm and ranch land. It's been happening for a while in our state. From 2010 to 2020, Texas added 4 million people. Housing units were up over 16% in that same time. An historic 3,800-acre ranch about 11 miles from downtown Fort Worth is the latest property to fall. Cattle had called the ranch, owned by the same family, home since 1935. Not anymore. The Veal Ranch sold recently to make room for homes and another 30,000 people. Reports indicate housing starts in North Texas are up more than 40% this year. Builders are scrambling to find sites for future home communities. That puts farms and ranches and their acres in high demand. Once farm and ranch land is developed, it leaves production agriculture forever. It's a cruel irony that a burgeoning state and nation that needs more food to feed a growing population is actually gobbling up the acres it needs to grow that food. We need to keep private property and agriculture. We need to keep farmers and ranchers on the land because it's good for the land. It's good for you, me, and Texas. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Teal season kicks off on Saturday. What can hunters expect? I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have a forecast coming up on Texas Ag today. And Cat Scratch Fever is more than just a Ted Nugent song. It's an actual disease. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? 
We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Ted Nugent sang about cat scratch fever back in the 70s, but did you know that that's an actual disease? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says it may be more prevalent than we thought. If you're around dogs and cats routinely, you may have been exposed to the disease Bartonella that causes cat scratch fever and not know it. A study in 2014 found DNA from Bartonella from 28% of the veterinarians tested, and it is suspected the number of vets infected may be even higher as the disease has a relapsing course. And although this study was about veterinarians, it is likely that anyone working at a veterinary clinic, grooming establishment, kennel, or rescue is likely to have similar exposure. Of the veterinarians in the study that were positive, 70% had headaches and 68% had irritability and had no idea they were infected. Bartonella is usually transmitted from cats to humans as the organism is found in flea excretion and this material gets under the cat's nails when the cat scratches at a flea. Transmission occurs when the cat scratches a human, breaking the skin and embedding the bacteria under the person's skin. Bartonella can not only cause cat scratch fever, but can also lead to pileosis hepatis, which causes cysts in the liver of humans, a systemic disease called bacillary angiomatosis, infection of the internal lining of the heart called endocarditis, and arthritis of multiple joints. Bites can also transmit the infection to people from cats and even dogs in some cases. Unfortunately, no drugs have been shown to eliminate the infection from healthy cats, so the only method of preventing the disease is to control fleas on your cats. If you are around cats and get scratched, clean the wound thoroughly, and if you develop an illness, remind your doctor about cat scratch disease. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Teal season kicks off this weekend. Jessica Domel tells what Texas teal hunters can expect this year. There is good news for Texas teal hunters. Kevin Cry, waterfowl program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says due to drought in parts of Canada and the Dakotas, they are expecting fewer juvenile blue-winged teal this season, but he expects there will be plenty of opportunities for hunters. There were areas in parts of eastern South Dakota, in parts of eastern Canada, Manitoba, and eastern Saskatchewan that that definitely were a little bit better conditioned. So there were some areas that we saw some good productivity, but as a whole, we're going to see reduced productivity on blue-winged teal specifically. With that said, there's still millions and millions of blue-winged teal. We're on the heels of a couple of years for sure of excellent productivity where we had really good hatches and sent a lot of blue-winged south. So, you know, our current estimates are well north of 5 million blue-winged teal still. The blue-winged teal migration is currently underway and is actually a few weeks ahead of schedule. Conditions are in Texas right now in certain parts, especially the Panhandle, where we have plow wetlands that are considerably wetter than this time last year. And then, you know, our Gulf Coast region, lots of freshwater inflows into our marshes, which should turn into a bunch of beneficial submerged aquatic vegetation. And then, you know, our typical rice prairies west and east of Houston, those 
landowners, farmers, clubs, if you will, leases, pump those fields back up after harvest. You know, that's just a very important abundance of food that's associated there. And yeah, those birds are going to be very, very happy to be there and will probably stick around as long as they possibly can. Teal hunting season opens Saturday, September 11th and runs through Sunday, September 26th. The daily bag limit is six, and that may include blue-winged, green-winged, and cinnamon teal. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The live cattle market finally turned it around after several sessions of closing lower. We finished higher on Thursday, but the losses continued in feeder cattle and wheat. We'll update all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whenever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to oli.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a bit refreshing on Thursday to see cattle prices actually move higher. We saw live cattle futures end in positive territory after several sessions of lower closes. We closed with October live cattle up 65 cents, 123.75. The December up 15, 128.80. February live cattle up two at 132.90. The slide in feeder cattle prices continued, however. September feeders dropped another 30 cents, 155.75. The October down two, 159.25. November feeders down 20 cents at 161.22. Cash fed cattle trade picked up at the middle of the week. Texas cattle feeders reporting 4,456 heads sold so far this week. Those cattle brought 123 to 124, most of them selling at that higher price, 124. Boxed beef on Thursday lower with choice dropping a dollar fifty nine three thirty three twenty seven select down a dollar seventy six at two ninety six forty one. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let me pour you a glass of iced tea. Sit down with me at Granny Marble's kitchen table, and let's talk about the sale they had in Abilene. That's right, Abilene Livestock. They sell them every Tuesday. My friend Henry Pickett and crew put it on. Henry, how was this week's sale? Oh, pretty good. Coming out of the Labor Day holiday, we ended up with about 850 cattle with 150 cows, and the market was pretty steady. Uh, we had some 750-pound steers bring upwards of 140, 145. Nice set of ranch-raised black steers weighing in the four to four and a quarter, bring 170 to 180. Our special is coming up Saturday. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about some of the consignments to that. Yes, sir. We've got our first annual bred female sale coming up Saturday. We're going to have start serving lunch at 11. The sale will start at noon. Right now, we've got a little over around 400 cattle consigned. We've got quite a few blacks and black baldies, and we've got some red Angus. We've got a really nice set of open F1 heifers that you could breed to the choice of your bull, your bulls. A really nice set of Brangus heifers. So we've got a big variety of different types of females. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Here at the barn, we can be reached at 325 325- 
973-673-7865 or my cell phone is 940-733-8208. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. You've been listening to us on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network today. Thank you much, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close lower. October hogs dropped a dollar ninety to finish at eighty-five forty-seven. December hogs down a dollar seven seventy-nine forty-seven. Class three milk slightly lower. September down a nickel, sixteen sixty-five a hundred weight. October milk down ten at seventeen fifty a hundred. The cotton market closed lower. Most traders waiting on Friday morning's USDA supply and demand report. Overall, the trade is expecting to see less cotton acres in the report, but an increase in cotton yield. We closed with October cotton down sixty-four points, ninety-four fifty-six. The December down eighty-six at 93.22 cents. The corn market drifted slightly lower in Thursday's trade. September corn down two and a quarter, 496 a bushel. December corn down a quarter penny at 510 a bushel. We saw some fairly steep losses in the wheat market. It all was triggered earlier in the week when a report came out of Canada that their stocks number was much higher than anticipated. That started a drop in Minneapolis spring wheat, and that has spilled over into our hard and soft red winter wheat markets. September Kansas City wheat dropped another 20 and a half to close at 676 and a half, while the new crop July contract was down 15 and a half, 685 and three quarters. The soft wheat market, same story. September down 16 and three quarters, 681 and a half, with new crop July down 14 and a quarter, 684 and a half. The rough rice market was slightly lower Thursday, September down one and a half cents at 1308 and a half. November soybeans down nine, 1270 and a half. September soybean meal down a dollar ten, three thirty six thirty a ton. In the energy markets, October natural gas up nine cents. We're above five bucks now. It closed at five oh one. October crude oil down a dollar twenty one at sixty eight oh nine a barrel. The financial markets were lower on Thursday. The Dow down hundred ten points, thirty four thousand nine twenty. The Nasdaq down twenty one at fifteen thousand two sixty five. The S&P down 16 points, 4,497. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Sure hope to see you then, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.